0: Hello and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 35. In tonight's episode we are doing a faction takedown. It's a new series that we're going to be running where we look at uh, factions in the game of Infinity but from the perspective of how to beat that particular faction. We recognize that for many podcasts have done faction debriefs in the past and have looked at the faction from the inside out, what their relative uh, strengths, cool profiles are, how to use them, how to run them. And while that is helpful for one person, in particular, the person who plays that faction, it's not necessarily always the most interesting for everybody else. But in thinking about how to approach looking at different factions, we thought one of the things that we could be focusing on is exploring how do we beat a particular faction when you play them. What are you looking for when you face them? What kind of profiles are going to show up? What kind of builds are commonplace? What does the meta have to offer? And then how can you exploit that meta? And so tonight we're going to be looking at the specific faction that is creating lots of waves in different parts of the world, Cosmoflot. But before we get into all of that, we want to take a moment to thank Mythic Games for sponsoring the podcast. Mo Games is an online supplier of All Things Infinity as a part of its sponsorship of Meta Chemistry. Mo will be providing a discount code to its store available to all our patrons, as well as a $40 gift card that will be raffled off to our community once a month. Make sure to like our Facebook page, join our Discord to ensure that you are entered to win. What's better than games? Mo Games. So let's check in with our lineup for our episode tonight. Our lineup is Ian, Devin, and myself. Let's start with Ian. Ian, what's going on? I think you're the Resident Infinity player right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've played. Let's see. Since the tournament that
1: we played where I won with my Cosmo Flot list, I've played one game and then we just did another local tournament, which. Ran the same list and did not do nearly as well. I took like 8 out of 12 people. So uh it, it was interesting. Uh A little bit different flow to things. So
0: yeah, mm-hmm.
1: learned how to so, roll with it.
0: I think those games, though, actually qualify as you as the most prolific Infinity player on the podcast tonight. Because <laughs> Devin and myself can't
2: say much more. Devin, what's going on? Yeah, so... Not necessarily getting a lot of games in, but I am picking up more models that I will pretend I'm going to paint at some point, so I just picked up uh basically the whole Tunguska sectorial' Hollomen are one of my favorite sculpts in they infinity, are.
0: yeah,
2: and yeah, so uh, a friend of mine was selling them used, picked those up, grabbed a couple extras, and so now I'm only missing one or two pieces, and I will very likely play them at some
0: point. Yeah. Probably a single <laughs> combat group
2: with a core of Holman. Right. I mean, that's obviously the best way to play them <laughs> Well, obviously. At it on the table. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, uh, I will have to say, I have not been hobbying much either guys. I, it's just one of those things where life is doing its thing for me. Uh, but I'm excited to talk about our topic tonight um, because I do think it's helpful to look at how we analyze a faction when we're going to be playing them and how we want to like exploit what they do or counter what they do, depending upon what their relative strengths and weaknesses are. I think um, for most of us, we don't have the time, bandwidth or just brain capacity to memorize every faction with every profile in the faction and everything that they have to offer. But I don't know if you guys are like me, but when I face a different faction, I usually at least have a sense of what they can do and what to look out for. And that's, then I build my plan about how to counter them around that. And so I thought this at least might be helpful to go through this process just to help other people think along the lines of even if you don't know the faction in particular or in all its specifics, there's a lot you can learn or anticipate with just a little bit of knowledge. Let's let's do our faction takedown of Cosmoflot. So I thought, you know, we have given a, them a good little bit of play uh, in recent episodes, especially in the aforementioned... Tournament breakdown that Ian did over his um, tournament win, and I think people got to hear a lot. Ian, uh, in particular, extol a lot of the relative virtues and merits of Cosmoflot, especially in the list that he was running and how he liked he likes to put uh, put it forward. But um, let, we're going for a little bit of a balanced perspective here, where we're actually not only going to look at its strengths, but also what we see as potential weaknesses that are uh, available to be exploited. So let's start our conversation tonight with an overall strengths and weaknesses assessment of Cosmoflot. I'll start with you, Ian, uh, since you have played on the inside. Uh, as a player of the faction, what, what? how do you rate its relative strengths and weaknesses?
1: Uh, I think it's a... F- fairly strong faction for uh, Ariadna that said it does have some some pretty good weaknesses um the way I'd almost describe the faction is in a similar way to how like onyx contact force is like a sectorial subset of vanilla where it doesn't have necessarily a super strong th- like internal theme but it has a lot of stuff that, uh, they take from Vanilla and add some fire teams and some options there. And Cosmoflot is very similar to that in that it takes a little bit from each of the other four sectorials. And then it has a handful of new things it brought to the table that the other sectorials don't get. And it has some pretty strong stuff. Obviously, you know, the, the elephant in the room is the bear pods. Uh, so we're going to talk about how to deal with those but it does also have some weaknesses in that the options it can take you can be pretty assured of you know with camouflage because that's Ariadne's thing is a lot of it is camouflage well you, you can fairly be fairly certain about what a particular camo marker is likely to be just based on its position on the board because Cosmo doesn't have access to a wide variety of camouflage. You know, they have two troopers and one character that can infiltrate. They have two more troopers or three more troopers that can uh, camouflage that have to stay in the deployment zone. So, you know, one of those has decoy. There's different things like that. So where it's going to be, you know, you can make some educated guesses as to what something is going to be. Just based on its positioning on the board, you know, it has have a lot of other strengths. It has access to Mirage five. So, you know, that's always going to be a threat that your opponent's going to have to, you know, prepare for if they're facing, you know, when you're playing this Cos- this uh, Cosmo Flot list. So I'd say that, you know, it, it's, it's better than average as far as Ariadna goes, but like anything, it has its weaknesses and it, there are ways to deal with it and take it down.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So, Devin, how about you chime in? I know... I'm going to give you, like, just a couple minutes to speak to the abortion that it is uh, design-wise, like, from an aesthetics perspective, but then we have to, like, get into the how, like, you beat it, okay? So, just a (laughs) a minute or two on your thoughts on... On the, the overall design of Cosmoflot.
2: You know, I think the things that actually are Cosmoflot are pretty cool. Like, for Ariadna. <laughs> but there's just so few and far between. Like, it's just this really bizarre mishmash of all four other sectorials into another sectorial. Which, the reason I love sectorials is everything that Cosmoflot isn't. Hmm. like there's there's just no cohesion anywhere it's awful i hate <laughs> that about it and yeah. i don't like ariana to begin with <laughs> yeah
1: that's right i forgot <laughs> like, right.
2: it's just like you know at the bottom of my bottom pile like it's awful like i almost wanted to get corregidor and then i'm like oh, i'll have to figure out how to offload all of this stuff yeah so it's i went because they look better anyway
0: I remember when it was released as a concept and, and you started looking at the availability lists and, and of course the first thing I thought was bears. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but then the second thing I thought was, gosh, this feels like a mercenary army just because of the, how they were pulling from all the different um, sub sectorials of Ariadna. Um, Yeah. So I understand where exactly where you're coming from,
2: actually. Well, just like the actual Cosmoflot units are pretty cool. Like, I like the idea of uh, the Rokots and the Volkolaks and the Cosmolarats. Like, those are all cool units, and I like the Ariadna in space sort of deal. Like, not enough to actually do anything with it, especially since that's such a limited portion of the sectorial. Like, I feel like those things are not even really the draws. Other, th- like the only one that kind of falls into that category it's kind of the bare pot as far as unique profiles for cosmoflot. Uh, so like even the things that i would sort of like about the faction aren't even the standouts of the faction and then there's all this other weird garbage mixed in. Yeah. So um <laughs> end of rant. rant. Now now okay. on to the assessment of the
0: faction according to its relative gameplay merits. Uh,
2: If you were to assess it as a faction, what are the strengths and weaknesses you see? Looking at Cosmoflot, without having uh, played the faction and uh, not having a whole lot of experience with it, uh, at the surface, it looks very aggressive. Like It can really get up in your face and throw units at you uh, very easily. This looks like a, a faction that is going to heavily punish uh, people who are taking second turn for initiative uh, mostly in general but especially if someone decides to turtle up like that's a death sentence against this and part of that's going to be things like the bear pods, which are fast they're also durable so even if you have a couple arrow pieces they're very difficult to put down with just a few shots Um, But then you also have Margo and Duroc, who can show up wherever they're needed, uh, and that's another way that they can kind of punish poor deployment. Um, They don't lean so much on camouflage like some other Ariadne factions, but they do have some, so they can kind of play that game a little bit. They don't really seem to suffer in any real range band. like They have a pretty good number of tools from close combat all the way out to sniper rifles from across the board. Uh,
0: they don't have too many oh. HMGs if I remember. Like I maybe they're expensive. one. they say yeah, that tend in? to be
1: Um it's the the Volca-Lock and the Soldot, both heavy infantry are their primary HMG models and mm-hmm. they are <laughs> pricey. We're talking uh, mid 40s for both of those models. And that, <laughs>
0: This is because he's an Ariadna player, right?
2: (laughs) Ariadna mid 40s. Okay. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So HMGs, they don't have in abundance, but they have them on good platforms. Like Mm they're BS 12, 13 platforms that are multi wound or effective multi wound. Um, The Cosmolodot is of the AP variety. Um, So, I mean, they have, and they have a number of AP Spitfires. So, they can play that game pretty well. And there's enough smoke that they can advance anyway. Uh, But then there's also, like, uh, Pavel has the Ohotnik. Um, There's a number of sniper rifles, AP sniper rifles, and other varieties. Uh, There might be T2 sniper rifles somewhere, Katerin's, I think. Yeah. You
1: can take one Katerin.
2: Yeah. So, like, there are tools to get that reach if they need it. But. Yeah, like I said, on the surface, they strike me as that sectoral that really wants to get in your face. Like they have a ton of efficient close combat troops. Not that they necessarily always want to be attacking you in close combat, but they are very good at that. And also excel, those units tend to excel in close ranges anyway. Um, So yeah, I would say that the strength of Cosmoflot from an outside perspective tends to be its warband department, with a couple exceptions.
0: So if you were then to assess it from a weakness or an area that you'd want to exploit, how would you what, – what are some of the deficiencies that you're seeing?
2: Um, there doesn't really seem to be the kind of specialists that I would like. Um, like, there don't tend to be much in the way of versatile specialists. Right. Like, for their, for their doctors, they have the line trooper equivalent, the um, – yeah, so they've got the Kazakh. Armandinos um, are actually really good; like really they're good. great engineers. Um, but it's not like they are necessarily very diverse in their role. They just have to right. be really, really cheap, which right. is a value all its own, of course. Um, and I think Frontovix, like that's probably their most versatile specialist. They effectively don't participate in e-war with uh, one AVA. One war driver, they can, but that means that you take that out, and that's a lot of classifieds gone. That's bonuses for certain missions gone. Um, so yeah, I would say that their their specialist department doesn't feel very robust. Yeah, they, they have a Still. lot
1: of specialists when you break it down. Because uh, you know they have the one twelve, the one twelve on bike, the Kazakh doctor, the dozers. Uh, they said there's there's frontovik engineers and paramedics. Uh, the unknown ranger is a specialist operative. The mm-hmm. uh, Zenit has a chain of command profile. There's the War Driver, uh, the um, ITS bounty hunter. If the, if you're running that um, in mm-hmm. those missions, you know that's also a specialist at that point. Uh, let's see. I think Pavel. Pavel's a specialist operative. They have a decent amount of specialists, but they're all super specialized into just what that specialist does. They're, you know, mm. of course the ermin diho's but they just don't have a lot of super versatile specialists. And honestly, if you're taking an Ermondho for its ability to be an engineer, you're probably taking it for the wrong reason. That's just the bonus mm. for it being an eight point impetuous chain rifle model that can take booty.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. They they just don't tend to be very robust. Like m- yeah. almost all of those are low durability one wound models that are not particularly skilled. Some of them yeah. are, but generally speaking, most of their specialists are are not anything that someone would be envious of by any stretch. No. At Which, least they're all whip 13, though. <laughs> they are See, all at least bet. decent whip. <laughs> Pano. I'll show you, trauma doc.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's a fair... I think that's fair. Um, I, In some sense, the critique of the Specialists not being very tough is kind of playing to type, right? That generally (laughs) you think of specialists as not particularly um, strong, unless you usually play Aleph. Uh, I don't know where you would get the idea that specialists would be overly tough, but um, I would say if I were looking at them, I would kind of. I got a hodgepodge of agreements with you guys. I'll just quickly, for the sake of the podcast, voice them. Uh, the first is, yeah, s- super pressure-oriented faction and with all the strengths that come with that, that you guys both uh, highlighted. I think both, uh, if I were to assess uh, Cosmoflop from my perspective, its strength is also its potential weakness. And that is that you have a, a collection of very high-profile, obvious units that you want to get into the list. And as a result, you kind of telegraph to your opponent exactly what the build's kind of going to look like. So even though you might, like um Devin, you pointed out, they have a wide selection of uh weaponry that they have access to. In theory, I think that's absolutely true. In practice, what I have experienced, and I've played Cosmoflot quite a bit, is... It tends to the the profiles that everyone wants to get into their list pigeonhole it into a mid-range to uh closer um c- kind of style of play with a lot of aggressive troops. Uh oftentimes be- like so pressure troops like uh Mirage 5 we've talked about bear pods, Uxia, uh all up in your face, uh mid-range stuff, midfield stuff SAS. You've got a couple command profiles in um, William Wallace and the and the Unknown Ranger, and then you have usually a few a couple Ermandinos, and then maybe an occasional specialist thrown in for a given mission. But like that's generally what you're seeing. I, I'm experiencing when I play. Um, now, you, usually there's also a core link. Uh, rarely is there a core and a Harris because it's tough to get all the different pieces involved. Uh, very rarely, like in the case of Ian, you don't run any core or Harris. But usually when people are are playing um, this faction, you're going to at least experience a core. Then you're going to get have a lot of solo pieces that are pretty aggressive. And so if you, kn- I guess when I say it strengthens its weaknesses, there's such obviously cool units that you want to get in the list. It also telegraphs what you're going to be bringing. And if I know what you're bringing, I can at least start to plan and prepare for it. I know how to deploy against it, I know how to counter it, if especially if I've had some reps. And that would be more than anything where my critique of cosmoflot comes in is not what it has access to in in the broad contours of the lists that you can come up with, but in terms of practicality what tends to make it onto the table um, it's pretty pigeonholed. I don't know what your thoughts are with that guys. No, I would agree. The, uh, the, the big stuff. I
1: mean, obviously the star of the show here is the bear pods, and you know, they've, they're big, they're fast, they're tough. They do a lot of damage and they seem to be something that a lot of people have been having trouble dealing with. Um, we'll get into how to deal with those in a, in a minute, but, um, If somebody's playing Flight, you can almost guarantee there's going to be at least one bear pod in the list. Uh, They might be running both of them, depending on how far they want to skew it. You know, um, the fact that Mirage 5 is there makes the list have the ability to come at you from any angle right off the bat, because they can walk into your deployment zone. And, you know... Margo's a little easier to defend against because she does not total, have total immunity. So, you know, if you have flash pull spots, things like that, kind of the standard uh, deployment zone, backboardage guardians, they will affect her. So, you know, you, if she walks in, in front of those, you can effectively kind of just take her, make her irrelevant right off the bat. Uh, she has to really find a, a spot where nobody can see her. And that, you know, for her to come in and be effective. But with Durok, even if you're guarding everything, unless you can stack multiple lethal arrows across your entire board edge, which very few factions and builds are going to be able to do, uh, you know, if Durok finds that one spot where he's not seen, he's going to have a field day. And even if he doesn't, if he walks in and it's flash pulse spots, he doesn't care or if he walks in and there's only like one guy with a gun that's going to see him, I'll be honest. I'll oftentimes take the risk of him walking in and taking a shot and taking a wound. Cause he's got a second one and him getting to go right in and destroy some stuff or tie something up, even with only one wound on uh, left on him is something that's worth doing. So um, he's going to be kind of the hard one to defend against right off the bat. But you know beyond that they have access to like para commando so there's another uh eight, you know um paratrooper that can walk in on the board edge not on the backboard edge but normally but that's a specialist profile that does uh you can have extra damage on their boarding shotguns things like that and they're like so also whip 14 specialists so they're great at coming in and grabbing objectives that's something you know kind of keep an eye out for especially in missions where you have um objectives that are going to be closer to one board edge than the other kind of thing. And like, uh, you know, anything that's got the three consoles across the center or, you know, something like that, they can come in and just grab the one that's closer to their board edge pretty easy. So, you know, it's something
0: to keep an eye out for. Um, but w- can I just engage that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, I've played maybe 10 games against Cosmoflot. I've faced a pair of Commando maybe twice, yeah um, the star of the show here yeah and so I'm sitting there going if I'm planning for how to beat them, I'm not as concerned with a specialist paratrooper right I'm no. thinking how do I set up I feel like the 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 tension that um Cosmophot pu- puts on you and I, I, let's just preface this by saying, I'm just going to assume Cosmoflot gets to go first in this scenario, because that's the mm-hmm. that's the worst case scenario. And the pressure that they put on you is yeah. do you defend against the bears who are going to run at you with the one or two bears, or but then does that leave you open to be uh, picked apart by Margo, Duroc, and or Uxia? Like, th- that's the quandary I find I'm I'm not as I'm not r- very worried about a a core team with an HMG in it. Uh, you have to face that all the to- all the all the time, right? Uh, I'm not that preoccupied with s- the specialists that are sitting out in the middle of the field. Uh, the de- their defenses, their long range stuff tends to be uh, defensive in nature. So, Catarans and Frontovics and uh, uh, like weaponry like that, sniper rifles, uh, ojotniks. How do you pronounce that? Ojotnik. Ojotniks. Um, but like in the end, it's all about how do you defend the rush, or if you defend the rush, then how are you covering your table edge in your back line? Absolutely. That's the heart of the issue, right? And no matter if it's a skew list, like what you were running at uh, your last two tournaments, Ian, Mm -hmm. or something a little bit more conventional, in -hmm. the end, it's the same basic challenge. Yep. Yep. So the big thing is, with that, is um, you kind
1: of nailed it with defend your deployment zone or defend against the rush. If you can do both, great. A lot of times it's going to be really hard to do both. This is where, you know, if you're looking at the table and you're seeing a lot, uh, if you're seeing like two bears and you're seeing a Cosmos Soldat and, you know, some Vocalox or something, you know, a f- higher cost models, I'm not saying Mirage 5 isn't going to be there, but it, they might not be there at that point. If your opponent's deploying first, this is actually especially key, like if they're going first, they're probably deploying first, so you can counter deploy, that's going to make it a little easier you can see what they have on the board. But, you know, it's hard to get all these high point models into the same list. So, you know, if you want, if they have two bears and Mirage five, they're probably not going to be running more than maybe one other expensive model. So keep an eye out on that. Other big thing on it is that there are so many smoke throwing models in Cosmoflot. And because so many of their things are close combat oriented and have short range weapons, like uh, chain rifles, shotguns, things like that. That they need to get up close. Smoke is the key to them doing that. So one or two well-deployed ARO pieces that have any level of MSV, but especially two or higher, is going to make it a lot harder for that rush to get pulled off. The bears are going to still maybe get there just because of that armor five and total immunity, uh, especially the chain rifle bear that can get cover. So it'd be armor eight in many cases. Those you may saw some difficulty with, but being able to shut down a lot of the smoke throwing. That's going to be key if you have access to that technology to blunting a lot of that attack, because especially when I'm playing, I have, uh, I think, 10 smoke throwers in my list I'm literally now the guy that can move without being seen throws smoke to cover the next guy so that he can move without being seen and it's just this cascade of smoke an m s v trooper shuts half of that down super fast, so that's a big key to it um another thing is if you have access to uh mine layer troops, that's gonna be great like it, uh, a good player for the Cosmoflot side is going to have some cheap models that they might just run into the minefield and just don't detonate the mines, but they're still likely sacrificing a model to do that and expending an order or a resource to do that. So there is some merit to that tactic of using deployable weapons and mine layer to try to blunt those attacks. Uh, there's a lot of other like, minor things in your list building um, in general area one, but one that's also particularly important against the things like the bears is the lack of BTS that most area models have. So if you're taking things like breaker weapons, especially viral weapons, because uh, bears and Duroc are in particular vulnerable to that. So it gets full effect against them. Uh, But Breaker, uh, Viral, anything that directly attacks the BTS stat is going to be a lot easier to get through. Because, you know, a Bear's Armor of 5 doesn't mean anything if he's rolling against his BTS of 0. He takes the same chance of failing that as just about anybody else. So that's important. And especially with Viral uh, on the Bears is important because it completely bypasses their total immunity which means that if you do cause that uh, second wound to come off the bear with Viral, the shock ammunition part of Viral will apply and will prevent the bear from going dogged and kill it outright.
0: So, Devin, I'm going to give you a chance to weigh in on this and and just ask you, okay, we've kind of outlined some basic tendencies of a faction like Cosmoflot. What tools what are the tools that you would want to have at your disposal to counter what they do really well, especially blunting the rush or um, sneaking up on you in your back line or in the heart of your um, deployment with Uxia. Um, and maybe secondarily, if like the way I think about this is either you counter what they do well Or you need tools to exploit what they don't do well, right? So I'll I'll leave it to you to like engage that as you want. Like, what tools are you looking for to counter what they do well, and/or what do you want to use to exploit them?
2: Yeah, I think that Ian's kind of touched on most of my impressions as far as that goes. But the main things that stand out to me are going to be um, with any faction that's hyper aggressive, you just and I mean as a general rule of thumb anyway, is you want to bleed out those orders. Because the more you can absorb orders from them, the more likely they're going to be out of position and much more vulnerable to counterattack on your turn. Mm-hmm. So things, uh, like Ian mentioned, MSV. MSV is big, not necessarily because it'll give you a chance to occasionally you know, pick off an Armandinho or something, but that they're either going to take dodges or other unfavorable actions while you're in reactive or they're going to throw it and hope that you know other units can get by after they've dropped your msv unit or they're going to put more emphasis on your msv unit which is probably very valuable for the first turn but not necessarily a huge part of your game plan for subsequent turns things like camouflage is going to be pretty relevant because, again, that's going to absorb extra orders. Um, They don't tend to be, I mean, there are exceptions, of course, but most camouflage units tend to be on the less durable side. But you still are going to have to discover them, barring something like intuitive attack. Uh, But even those are not as common on some of the profiles that you're going to see coming at you, like the, uh, the standalone bear pod doesn't have an intuitive attack capable weapon for instance. But uh, mines again because it's free damage. uh koalas, what was that? Yeah.
1: Uh so you know the varangians are the ones you got to look out for because they're chain mm-hmm. rifles with that whip 14.
2: Sure. Yeah, but the the lighter smoke throwers are pretty easy to deal with with MSV. Like yeah. those are the ones you're, that are easy to pick off whereas if you have like the mm-hmm. uh the bears or Duroc or something, mm-hmm. MSV is inconvenient for them, but not a huge yeah. deal typically. Yeah.
1: Um. Uh, and the only re- reason I spotlight the Varangians here is because oh sorry they're they're whip thirteen um but they are armor two and dogged, so they, I have found that they tend to get up there anyway, and then even you know if they get a smoke down and they walk into the smoke. And then they just spend an order and intuitive attack, you know, the camel mm-hmm. marker that's near them. Uh, I've done that a few times, and it's a pretty good success. So it's the Varangians, I think, are a level of troop of war band that needs to be paid attention to because they mm-hmm. are that little bit tougher than a lot of the war bands, a uh, little bit better equipment you know I said they're armored too they have a heavy pistol instead of a basic pistol uh, you know chain rifles a few other things uh, but they they just tend to be that little bit more durable a little bit more skilled and you can take four of them and I think even the bigger thing is is that they're a regular
2: order Right. So. yeah that's one thing that kind of stood out to me yeah, not necessarily on the how to tackle them or weakness perspective exactly but that Wallace seems a lot less appealing he's still a useful profile on his own but the inspiring leadership benefit is of marginal help in Cosmoflot they actually don't have a ton of irregular options like mostly it boils down to things like the Ermendinos, uh the standalone bear pod the one catarin you get and yeah and and one war, yeah, the ward, war core. yeah, so like a total of like yeah and the worker i guess which i guess you might as well if you're doing wallace mm-hmm. but yeah there's actually very few like even if you max evade yeah. that it's the free coordinated order that
1: wallace sure. gives that's uh what i've found myself using a lot so it's always worth taking out wallace if you can take out wallace Because at least they're not getting the free coordinated order, and you're going to drop maybe a few things back to being irregular and mess with the order efficiency a bit. But on the other side of that, dropping Wallace isn't necessarily going to mess with the order efficiency a ton, so that is a bit Mm -hmm. of an advantage there. Additionally, the Zenit 7 has access to chain of command. So if you see uh, two camo markers within eight inches of each other in the deployment zone, there's a good chance it's a Zenit. And there's a good chance that Zenit has chain of command, especially if they're running your Wallace.
2: Right.
0: Here's the thing like when I hear the, okay, they don't have that many irregulars, everyone you just listed off, that's really good. <laughs> they make almost every list. So every, that I run up against.
2: Yeah, but it's those units are not typically units that are going to benefit very much from being regular because they're all power units that you're going to want to dump orders into anyway. So it's not really a weakness, it's just a points discount for being irregular.
0: I take your point there.
2: I mean, the only exception in my mind being like the Katerin and Warkor, I guess.
1: Yeah, so they're, they're providing regular orders to the uh, to the power players like the bear pod at that point.
2: But yeah, to, but to circle back around to the the question, uh, mostly I find that it's something that you would want to overload AROs on and force, because I, I think Andrew's absolutely right that common Cosmic lists are going to be much more aggressive in your face and are going to try and uh, put you on the back foot as quickly as possible. And they're going to do that by getting units up on you uh, either in close range or in close combat or what have you. So I don't think that you're as likely to run into, oh, well, here's my core team with a Volkalock in it with his HMG that he's going to be gunning down my arrow pieces. Like that. I, I don't know if I've ever seen someone play like that in Cosmoplat.
0: I've seen that once. And I would say, again, that's a known, like, that's known. Mm-hmm. Like they're deploying first. So I. I mm-hmm. can kind of gauge my level of risk that I want to, uh, how much I want to leave out uh, in a defensive posture. If that piece is on the table, then I'm less likely to, right? Mm-hmm. But but if but if um, my opponent has deployed first and I don't see, the, the worst thing that I usually see is a Spitfire in the Unknown Ranger. Um, right. And so I'm going to counter deploy across the board away from him, if I can dep- board dependent and I'm going to play the range game and I'm going to leave a lot more up looking downfield than you might normally anticipate for me because of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So basically like my, my approach would just be throughout as much as possible. So mines, parameter weapons, camouflage, overloaded arrows you know high burst arrows like Neurosynthetics or total reaction like basically just as much as many things you can point in the direction of stuff coming at you and obviously you know a healthy dose of things watching your back Uh, those are the main things i would consider to try and beat back that offensive because they're typically going to be short range or medium range maybe
0: totally Anything that you would wanna use to exploit so that you you described basically a counter to what they do well what are what are the exploitive um op- opportunities you see available to you i I'll, I'll throw this to both of you well the the very Specific specialists
1: is something that you can exploit Uh, because especially if your opponent is running the uh, all the heavy stuff and all the fun toys, they may not have a lot of specialists. And since most missions require some level of specialists to get points, if you are able to surgically remove those small handful of specialists, you can completely neuter your opponent's ability
0: to complete the mission. Yep. You, you, you stole my thunder. <laughs> Cause that's no, I mean, that's good. Uh, that would be one of my, I've got two things that I would, I I'd offer. The first is I like, if I see Ermandinos on the board, I'm taking them out They're priority early. Cause not only are they specialists, but they're smoke throwers. And I think they're particular vulnerable because of their impetuousness. So, they don't get cover. They generally, your your opponent usually wants to move them forward, uh, almost can't help but move them forward. And so they get exposed a lot more than other uh, types of specialists that hang back in the back line. And so I'm targeting specialists early on in the early game. I'm not as worried about um, the bears. I think the bears are there to soak up your attention um, I want, I would want to be a scalpel first. The second thing I would offer is if your opponent is pushing forward, that means they're creating gaps in their defenses. And so you want tools that can exploit that, whether that's a paratrooper, that's able to walk on the side of the board, a drop troop. We've talked a a, a lot about how drop troops are so important in this game right now in their ability to counter. Um, to get, to get your, get, when you need to get someone right where you need them to be, there's nothing like AD to do that. It allows you to adjust on the fly. Um, infiltrators, uh, who've kind of hugged the board edge, uh, the table edge. I'll, I'll push them up and then come in from the side. Any way that I can kind of shift the board to my advantage, I'd want to exploit their aggression. So it's you, so... Uh, this kind of then gets to like setup up and p- positioning when you deploy against a, a faction like Cosmoflot, I would say deploy deep. You're already wanting to, you're already going to want to pr- protect your back line because you know, Mirage five can come on, but you're also uh, the deeper you are, the harder it is to get across the board at you. And so much more easy to guard your six when you're kind of hugging the table edge, Uh, and the table sides. So deploy deep, think, leave things, um, standing up, deploy, um, spread out. If a bear gets on you, the, the thing that the bear wants to do more than anything is chain up kills. So you need to be thinking about how you're deploying all your order monkeys and all that stuff. Like you really need to be mindful of not grouping them together. If you are running a link team, you need to really be um, cognizant, not just of a bear, but Uxia. She is a link killer. Her ability to throw smoke and drop a template on you through the smoke is big. Her ability to um, over-deploy, over, over-infiltrate, and come at you from angles that you weren't anticipating is huge. I, I Everyone gives bears all the attention, but I feel like Uxia is frightening. And I'm always taking her into account because she's usually that one troop that's being held in reserve. Um, if going first, so you're deploying deep, you're layering your defenses. You've got a lot of things standing up. You're using volume to take down the incoming. You hopefully have an MSV that can counter all the smoke throwing. Um, any other tips on setup and positioning as you're, uh, taking on CosmoFlot.
2: I think you hit the major points there. Uh, between you know having uh, heavy AROs as much as possible, uh, I completely agree with spreading out, like making it so that because that's another way to drain orders effectively is that you. need to spend more orders to get an otherwise equivalent amount of things done on the board. If you have to spend a second order to move and hit another one of my troops with a chain rifle or to Berserk into the next unit, that's still going to drain those orders faster. And I feel like that's ultimately the goal in those kind of situations. If you have uh, something like that bearing down on you first turn, is everything you can possibly do to make that as inefficient as you can is going to help you counterpunch because these lists that try and do that typically not always but typically are going to have a hard time receiving a counterpunch uh, especially if you have some good tools like ian was saying if you have a viral or breaker or i mean even nanopulsers in a pinch uh you know if you come around a corner with a standard breaker rifle and you know you can Reasonably reliably put down a bear, especially if you've done any damage during ARO. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that that really is the the crux of it is to make that alpha strike as ineffective as possible, and then swing back while they're you know basically in your deployment zone or near it.
0: Yeah, the you in, in an ideal world they overextend. The I I would suggest that generally speaking, a savvy um. Uh, alpha Striker in, in, in general and Cosmofot player in particular will not just generally rush everybody up the board, especially first turn. They're going to send a missile. And so you have to kind of identify what that missile is and blunt that. And if it runs up the board and is only able to get one or two kills, then you just won. You won that, that, in, um, that first turn. Because that thing's overextended, and now, if especially if you've got the tools to counterpunch, that's your play. Ian, what do you? What are your thoughts about setup and positioning? I think that that's that's very
1: good. Um, I think mission dependent. Uh, it might be helpful to do the opposite of what we always say. Where we always talk about, you know, don't necessarily take the high ground and put your stuff up high where everything can see it. But, and you'll put it down low and cover like a particular lane. But against this particular list build, if you see it on the table, if they've deployed first, it could actually be beneficial to deploy high. Because, while it's not going to slow the bears down because they have Berserk with Climbing Plus... It's still going to allow you to layer more AROs against whatever's coming at you provided you have the tools to get around smoke or you can get lines of fire. But it's also going to limit a little bit a lot of the other troopers because the like Varangians have berserk. Varangians don't have climbing plus, so if they get close and you're on top of a building, <laughs> they're going to they're going to be limited to trying to hit you with a chain rifle or their pistol, or submachine gun, or something, instead of charging into you and swinging on you on a 26 with an AP close combat weapon, uh, which is a very, very good odds with them. No, no, now they have to do, oh, I'm going to chain rough, and you're like, okay, cool, I dodge on a really good odds, or I tank the hit and shoot you back. It limits a lot of what can reach you for that CC attack if you're just up high.
0: Cool. So I love that. Um, so here's the last little bit before we get to the, talking about the end game and how you win. If your opponent is, if you have a regular, how about outside of like the tournament scene, and you just have a regular opponent who runs Cosmoflot a lot, and you want to get, you want to tailor to to beat that particular faction. What are the what are the uh, what are the troops that you are going to throw in there uh, in your list? I'm thinking Total Reaction Bot, maybe two, because volume helps, right? I'm mm-hmm. thinking br- Breaker Combi Rifles. Okay. Um, we we're talking MSV Sniper. What are some other tools that you'd like to take advantage of?
2: Um, I would say something that's uh, – things that are ablative but difficult to remove. So things like post-humans come to mind, uh, Puppet Nautica, Puppet uh, Nautica. Other things that are just bodies that don't actually deprive you of any orders, uh, those are super valuable Peripheral troops, uh, all those sorts of things where they're just extra ablative layers that, of damage that you can absorb uh, and not effectively lose anything out of. Uh, those are going to be particularly valuable sure. and have reasonable chances to do some damage in return anyway.
0: Uh
1: Well, and even if they're not doing damage, the ability to just physically slow down the bear is something that shouldn't be discounted. Because if the bear's running up on you, especially if it's the uh, chain rifle one where it has double chain rifle or it has grenades if it wants to do a face-to-face. But usually it's going to be done with those chain rifles because they got an extra damage point on them and it's kind of gross. But, like... Throwing an ox spot, and you know, if it runs near an ox spot, dodge if you can reach base contact with the bear, it's gonna usually have to spend an extra order to attack you to clear out that ox spot so then it can spend another order to continue on its merry rampage and if you do that a few times and now suddenly the order pool is gone because they've had to chew through all of these stupid little peripherals that don't really in hit, uh, affect your ability to play the game a whole lot by losing but by making your opponent deal with them especially in something like cc because you know it's one thing if they They roll up and they can attack or they can dodge and keep moving. But if you get something in base to base and they have to spend another order, that entirety of that order is going to be doing the CC attack. They're not going to be able to move afterwards. So it takes a lot of the order efficiency out of their expenditure if you can do that to them.
0: Oh, good, Ian. So uh, end game here. How do you win? We've talked a little bit about how you set up against them, what you try to do. In the first turn to blunt their their rush, how do you how do you in the end beat Cosmoflot?
2: I think that a lot of that boils down to pay attention to the mission and keep your eyes on the prize because this style of play, which is not the only thing you can do with Cosmoflot, uh, there are certainly other avenues they can take. But this kind of common thing that has come up with Cosmoflot is that they want to cripple your ability to perform. Like that's ultimately the goal of an alpha strike is to make it so you cannot respond. So if you can utilize some of these tools we've talked about and hold off for that first turn or second turn, work on objectives, that I mean, ultimately, that's how you're going to win any mission, right, is you need to get those objective points. And if you lose, you know, 30 40 50 percent more of your force it doesn't really matter if uh, you know you're putting numbers on the board and they aren't really ian yeah i i agree um you know
1: it is it is focusing on the mission and that is what is going to win you games regardless of what opponent you're playing and now, now being cognizant of what faction you're playing against and what they can do and being able to blunt that, that is going to help you accomplish the mission. But in many cases, the the lead, littlest that you can interact with your opponent and focus on the mission is going to net you the biggest points. It's not always going to work out, but a lot of times you can just kind of do the, the killing your opponent as the afterthought, unless that is what the mission requires is killing your opponent. But if it's objective-based missions, like... Go for the objectives. See what you can do to get to those first. Because especially on things like uh, classifieds or other things where your opponent cannot take the points away from you once you have achieved them. Go for it. Like if you rack the points up, they can't take it away from you. Um, one thing to, to be aware of though is like when we're talking about you bleeding your opponent's orders. Be aware that Cosmoflot can do the same thing to you. Uh, one tactic I've used to great success with Cosmoflot is you know getting Duroc and Margo into the back line, but not going on a kill spree, just getting them there and leaving them in a spot where you're going to be forced to deal with them. So that's a thing like. My last game, one of my last games, uh, I got Durak into the middle of of Fireteam. I didn't even put him into CC. I just spent one order to get him up there and chain rifle something, and then I just left him there. And my opponent had to spend numerous orders trying to extricate his Fireteam from that situation. Uh, I had an, another game where I walked Margo in uh, into a nice blind spot uh, where guy's backs were turned and I didn't even shoot her, anything with her. I just put her in suppression fire so the moment that my opponent spent orders, he would be eating suppression fire and was going to have to spend a bunch of extra orders to dig her out. If this kind of thing happens, look at how you can deal with it. And I'll, usually the best course of action is not to deal with the problem where the problem is. And what I mean by that is like, if you have somebody in suppression in your back line, attack them with something that is outside of their suppression range, outside of 24 inches. If you have a Duroc sitting in your link team, don't activate the link team first Activate the sniper rifle on the other side of the board, and it's outside of zone of control of Duroc or line of fire or whatever, and have him take care of the issue because that way his options are smoke or dodge instead of chain rifling everything around him because that's what activated first. Just be aware of that and make the correct decisions as far as what you're going to start with so you can minimize the impact of what your opponent's throwing at you. Mm-hmm. And to extricate yourself from the situations and then focus on the mission.
0: Yeah. If I were to add anything on how to beat uh, Cosmoflot, I, I agree guys focus on the mission. But um, one thing I have found about Ariadne in general, um, and this includes then Cosmoflot is uh, it wants, it's a bit of a front runner kind of faction. It likes to get out in front put the hurt on you and, and win from out front. If you can play the attrition game, if you've got a faction that can do it, by and large, most Ariadna factions crumple, start to crumble uh, mid, mid to late game. And, and they're they're not as resilient. Cosmoflot's surprisingly resilient because of the ability to stack some wounds. But generally speaking, the attrition game is not, their friend. So be mindful of how you're preserving your orders, preserving your wounds, preserving your troops and look for that late game push. I love that as my general counter to, um, Ariadna. And then last, I would just, just say, um, as you're starting to counter punch, don't, don't spit on the humble combi rifle. Don't, don't forget about the like the basic gun. Because so much of Cosmoflot is impetuous. It doesn't get cover. And so you're you you're kind of conditioned to think about um what guns can push through armor and cover. But um volume more than anything helps you, even against a bear. Um, especially if you're in the active turn. So Remember that use all your tools and not just the th- your, your crutches, the things that you have become accustomed to using to r- remove big, bad, scary things. Play the range game. Um, fight on your terms. Ariad, uh, Cosmoflot's not a particularly good gunfighting faction. And maybe you'll win. Well, hopefully we helped you with that. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to wrap things up. Final thoughts coming up here in just a second. But before we get to those, we want to remind you of Patreon. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Not only does it help us out, but it grants you a bunch of benefits. Um, hundred percent of the funds gets put right back into the podcast. So find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes, as well as a link to our discord channel. And speaking of discord, come join our community there. We're supportive. We're engaged in the hobby. We love all the aspects of it. And, uh, there are just a ton of people that love to talk the game of infinity. So with that said, Devin, Ian, what are your final thoughts? Devin, you go first.
2: Yeah, I think that Cosmoflot doesn't necessarily bring a new style of play to the fore, but it brings some scarier-looking tools that, to do it. Uh, and I think that a lot of that strength kind of becomes psychological, particularly around the bear pods, which is kind of the, the flagship profile, I guess, of Cosmoflot. And I think that... While Cosmoflot is still relatively new, I think the lack of games, generally speaking, uh, for people, um, which some areas are affected more than others, but I think uh, you know everything that comes out that's new is inherently more difficult to deal with until you kind of get those games in. You find of you find that uh, that counter that weakness that approach that you need to deal with them. And so with games being less frequent, I think the process is a little slower than it might be otherwise. Uh, but ultimately, it's nothing new. It's it can be scary and it can certainly be effective, but hopefully you guys will find that some of these things that we've discussed uh, be useful in your games and if you play against Cosmus Plot, uh, let's know if any of this helped you. Holy
0: Ian how about your final thoughts
1: uh so don't don't be scared of Cosmoflot. don't be scared of the bears it's just another problem to figure out and overcome uh, and as someone that's played up both sides of the table from this, it is very beatable you know i I have had opponents table me running these lists that you know, weren't even running anything particularly special. And I'm not even going to say it was like dice or anything because they played very well and they were able to, you know, counter and blunt what I was doing. So a lot of it is just identifying what your opponent's doing and countering it. Hmm. So just like any other list, it is beatable. It's just figuring out how to do it. So hopefully we've given you some of the, the ideas and tools to do that.
0: Yeah. Ian says, don't be afraid of bears. I'm going to say, be afraid of Uxia. And with that, (laughs) and with that, (laughs) on behalf of of the podcast, this has been Andrew, Devin, and Ian. And that's the meta.